0: Hello, you're listening to the Devils and Details podcast from Business Insider Australia. I'm Paul Colgan, and I'm here as always with David Scott. Pleasure to be back, Paul. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Our guest this week is uh, one of the most respected property market commentators in the country. It's Pete Wargent. Uh, He'll be familiar to many of our listeners. Uh, His company is Alan Wargent, uh, an international property advisory. Pete is a qualified chartered accountant, used to be a director at Deloitte. Uh, He runs a great daily blog where he writes about a whole range of economic topics. So look, it's great to have you back on the show,
1: Pete Wargent. Uh, Thanks Colgo, great to be back. Um, I'll try not to do any Englishman, Irishman, Australian jokes, but uh, can't make any promises.
2: Maybe that'll be later at the
1: <laughs> well, certainly, when we're talking, we're going to the, the whole show is going to be about the property market. So,
0: talking about uh, the property market between an Englishman, an Irishman, and an Australian, I, I reckon is going to throw up some uh, some pretty uh, interesting views. Look, um, the property market is certainly in a, an interesting place right now uh, in in Australia. I wanted to start just by uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit and share with you a bit of insight uh, in terms of. Um, running a site like Business Insider and and covering the property market. Look, we could do stories all day uh, about risks in the housing market. We'd get lots of traffic for them. There are any number of outlets and commentators that you can turn to for that perspective, people who've been saying the housing market is going to crash for years and years and years. Um, we've preferred to do coverage which, while it's pretty intensive, tries to stick to the facts that we know at any given point, right? So uh, Dave, in particular, some pretty steady clear-eyed reporting on things like clearance rates, price trends, lending from financial institutions, uh, measures being taken by regulators for s- financial stability, et cetera, now, the story for years, of course, as, as you will all know, uh, has been one of house prices rising pretty relentlessly. Um, 2016, probably it became apparent the market was starting to run really hot, prices were surging. That triggered a lot of excitement in the usual quarters that we were absolutely headed for a train wreck. Um, On the evidence, um, there is no suggestion that that is what's unfolding, but there are some uh, things that are a bit troubling. First of all, household budgets are stretched. And again, these are things that we know. Household debt is at record levels. There was a big dive in lending in March, uh, which we'll come to. Uh, And there has been absolutely some evidence of some pretty poor lending standards uh, among in major financial institutions, but among some individuals. Uh, We are seeing discounts on houses, which we're going to talk about too. Uh, Clearance rates are weak uh, and at a level consistent with
1: ongoing declines in house prices for a little while yet. Pete, how bad is it? Um, I think sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect between what gets reported as a median price and how you experience these things um, on the ground, the lived experience. So um I mean, with the caveat that in the Sydney market, we're mainly active in a very small part of that market. So really the inner west, lower north and eastern suburbs, um, you know, what we were seeing, just going back to the beginning of 2017 in Q1, we are seeing loads of froth in the market. I mean, we were going to auctions and seeing stuff go six, 700,000 over the price guide, and then APRA tapped on the brakes uh, and that froth was wiped away. Um, so. And that was almost overnight. So, yeah, look, from the peak to where we are today, you might see in many cases, you might see prices transacting 10% lower, but um, it's not necessarily that smooth glide lower that you sometimes see across a median um Price that gets reported. Now, obviously, there are some risks in the market. Um, the housing market modelling will always tell you that the, the riskiest markets are the most supply responsive. So, particularly, I think the new apartment sector, and if you go out to the city fringe. Um, so, I don't do a lot in those markets, but if you get out to the southwest of Sydney, um, big re- supply response. Um, so, yeah, but look, there's risks in the market. We all know that. Um, if you want to talk about opportunities, so uh, we were very active in Sydney in 2011, 2012. Obviously the landscape has changed a lot. Um, so in terms of what we're doing today, as you mentioned, I have a property buying business. Um, so like I could waffle on about housing market economics all day, but to give listeners some specifics in case That's what they're interested in. I'm Um, sure they are. Yeah, I mean, well, in Australia, we know we've got Asian capital flowing from overseas and internally. Uh, So the projects that we're working on right now, uh, we're buying Queenslanders in the inner west of Brisbane. So suburbs like Indira We're looking at a Queenslander is a style of house, if you're not familiar. But we're looking at homes that are close to their use by date with the potential to raise them up and turn them into five bedroom three bathroom executive homes and you've just got to think who is the end buyer of that product um, you know we're looking at family demographic executive homes good school catchments walkability and with careful planning and execution you could almost name your name your own price for that type of product so there's opportunities there too uh, we talk an awful lot about real estate versus equities and um, You know, equities in Australia, very uh, strong dividend payout ratios, got very generous franking credits. So for a retirement income stream, the equities markets, um, that's the way to go, in my opinion. Real estate, very different beast. It's more like a business decision. And I think with lower generic price growth going forward, people are going to have to look at ways to manufacture equity.
0: Dave, maybe you can uh, take us on to some of the numbers we've been seeing, clearance rates, uh, price declines.
2: Well, we're seeing prices in Sydney and Melbourne have fallen Modestly, uh, in recent months, now, you've still got uh, Melbourne prices up in annualised terms, around about 3% or so. But that looks like, it, given current trends, it may turn negative soon. Sydney prices have been falling for longer, and it's down in, in annualised terms. We're still only talking around about 4% from the peak. So you're going back to, uh, to sort of late uh, 2016 levels the prices are at now. So it hasn't been uh, hasn't been horrendous by any stretch. Uh, but obviously, you, you discussed the, uh, the, the lending finance figures from the ABS for March that were quite – Quite uh, dramatically down, especially for uh, for investors, and that's obviously a billion
0: dollars. That's
2: correct. So that's that's obviously uh, a sign that APRA's uh, no restrictions on interest-only lending are are starting to bite, and also uh, potentially getting tighter on uh, on debt-to-income and uh, and things along those lines as well, which has been uh, mentioned quite a bit recently. Uh, But obviously, uh, we saw this week as well. uh, An auction clearance rates uh, were both below sixty percent in uh, in Melbourne and Sydney, according to CoreLogic. Uh, that's consistent with where you see prices fall in annualised terms. Uh, if they hold there for that particular level for a period of time, um, look, Melbourne's at four-year lows at the moment for for clearance rates. Sydney's at uh, and at multi-year lows. It, uh, it was early, sorry, late last year was at multi-year lows. It's sort of still hanging around those levels. So there's no real sign that uh, the 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 sell-off is uh, is finished right yet. But when I say sell-off. Put in context of how small the declines have been so far
0: yeah and there are certainly are pockets of the city when you break down uh, uh, you know the different regions of Sydney uh, some parts are doing fine so well not fine but they are stronger than that 50. To sixty percent number that we're getting on final clearance rights would suggest. So eastern suburbs are getting maybe sixty to seventy percent. I think it was sixty three percent last week. Um, But then you know you go out to Blacktown uh, at West and you're looking at thirty. You know, uh, pretty pretty nasty numbers. Central Coast as well, uh, looking um, uh, kind of pretty ugly. What worries me about that, Pete, is uh, there they are places anyway where you get cheaper more accessible houses which might have been seen as investment property targets for particular types of people saying, well, either that they've got their own home uh, and they want to buy a second as an investment, or that they want to find some way into the property market so they go and buy in somewhere like the Central Coast or Blacktown, and now they may be seeing prices falling pretty quickly or having a pretty tight market in terms of people interested in buying anything out there at the moment. Um, maybe you can shed some light on that.
1: Yeah, for sure. In fact, if you remember, we did the Devils and Details podcast about 15 months ago, and we talked about exactly that equation. You know, Why in some of these, particularly out of Western Sydney markets, we were seeing prices compounding at 15, 18 percent, and it was people just trying to get a toehold on the property ladder. But as I said before, I mean, some of that was not well, clearly not sustainable, and where you get investors piling in, um, then that can amplify the downturn. Um, and I think, well, you guys have already touched on um, the tighter lending standards. So even if the desire is there, um, people can't get access to the credit.
0: Mm. Well, let's uh, take a step back and talk about those tighter l- lending standards. Uh, what are they involved?
1: Well, as you know, I have a, an advisory business, so I've written a very popular. Report on this very subject for fund managers, for lenders, policymakers. Um, I, I think APRA would be keen to stress that, um, although this is generally reported as tighter lending standards happening, you know, in real time, actually a lot of the tightening actually began at the end of 2014. Um, and in fact, if you if you rewind the clock all the way back to, let's say, 2007, we had a lot of low doc loans in Australia. We had 100% mortgages. So clearly, standards were looser, and we've seen an incremental tightening. Now, Dave's already covered off. We're, we're now seeing um, loan-to-value ratios. It's a bit tighter, interest-only um, lending. The, there's a mortgage rate differential. Uh, there's, there was a cap on investor loans. All of those things are just have just been tightening uh, lending standards. Now, um, just a, a personal opinion, I, I think that had to happen because I think when you get a static system, you will always find that at the margin there's maybe say two to five percent of borrowers, they begin to find ways to exploit the system and that's that's what was happening. We had some borrowers who have become very efficient at extracting equity and borrowing again and again um, and that's where you start to see financial stability risks rising. Um, So I think going forward, you'll see that regardless of what happens to the cash rate, uh, mortgages will be assessed at at least 7%, regardless of what happens to monetary policy. I think we'll see a greater scrutiny of expenses and less reliance on the old uh, HEM benchmarks. Um, And as Dave mentioned, potentially loan-to-income caps. So in terms of what that means in plain English, uh, portfolio investors, their serviceability has come right down. I think for home buyers the the impact might be a bit more marginal um, but in terms of what it means for the market well less generic price growth um, I think you know as part of our reports we, tr- we tried to find leading indicators and um, that involves liaison with mortgage brokers and yeah that did find there were weaknesses in the system I think if you went back three years ago there were loans being written to Chinese borrowers, for example, with pretty weak controls. Um, although, interestingly, arrears have been quite low on those. Uh, but also, I think liabilities weren't being captured in a complete and accurate manner. So, I think that loophole has now been tightened up. You, you, um, you
0: mean the borrower's liabilities? Yeah, that's liabilities. right. I mean,
1: good yeah. example, um, you know, we're, we're good examples of migrants to Australia. I mean, people come from London or elsewhere in the world with mortgage debt overseas, um, very rarely declared on some applications, things like that. I think that there's gonna be a behavioral change. It's gonna push push some of the um, responsibility back onto mortgage brokers and borrowers to declare factually complete and accurate information. Um, now we did see, if you re- rewind to 2014, obviously I'm an Englishman, we went through the mortgage market review in the UK and um, there was a general feeling at the time that this is the end of mortgage debt, as we know it. The Guardian was running these pieces. Um, now, there's there's an old thing uh, saying in the Bible, I think it's the Bible, I'm not a regular reader, but uh, <laughs> uh, that this too shall pass. And, um, you know, as, as they say, we've been using a, a knife and fork for 800 years, and it's the same with Australia's banks. You know, we've been deregulated for many decades, we've still got four banks, and lenders are going to lend. So I think if you, um, you know, and Dave would remember Dodd-Frank and Sarbanes-Oxley and all these other things that people think are going to be a massive landscape change. But I think, you know, I don't think this is going to be something that crashes the housing market. I just think it's, it's minimising the risks at the margin.
0: And of course, price declines, given where they are, probably a welcome thing because this whole issue of the enormous amounts of money that people need to save to get a deposit on a house in the major cities, where people want to live, where, where they want to work, you know, particularly young people who, um, you know, maybe say you want to work in a tech startup or you want to work in uh, financial services, um, you know, you need to live in Sydney or Melbourne, or you work in the corporate world, you, you need to live in Sydney or Melbourne. And it is extremely difficult um, to put down roots in those places um, where, you know, the, with Property prices the way they are. Um, so that's probably a welcome thing. I think there's a question, Dave, that's probably on a lot of people's minds. Pete has talked about the individual effects, effects on certain individuals, you know, uh, and there's pockets of the housing market. And Joanne Masters, who's a regular on the show here, often talks about the housing market being, you know, when you're buying a house, you're operating in a market within a market within a market. Um, so there's the individual exposure. But then there's also the question, of course, because all of this is concentrated in the major banks, uh, the debt. That there's, a, there's always the question of what the sy- systemic isp impacts of this might be. Um, how do you see that at the moment?
2: It's it's, it's difficult regret- to say. Like no, these these measures have only relatively recently been introduced, um, and obviously they've had an impact. But as Pete rightly said, banks will go on lending and that's going to continue in the future. Um, The one key area, and I touched upon this a couple of weeks ago in the podcast, is that if the actions to go and and calm markets down and go and help reduce risks succeed too quickly and the mindset of people changes, that's where I think the big issue will be. Um, If people... Don't borrow, if people don't go and spend, then we'll have a massive issue because if there's gonna be a systemic problem in the housing market, it will come from a huge increase in unemployment or a shock from overseas. Uh, and that's the risk at the moment. But I don't see that as being the uh, the, the case, um, but it's gonna be a very different housing market landscape to what we've seen over the past 10 years more in Australia because uh, things were out of control for a long period of time there. And we see it with debt levels, we uh, see with household uh, uh, debt levels to the income of record highs starting to go and taper off now, but it's still very, very leveraged. So uh, we have to be very careful how we trade here. And that's why I don't think that these restrictions that they place on lending are going to be too tough, because if they are, then it risks creating that scenario where something bad will happen.
0: Isn't there a question, Pete, that will people start to see house prices declining that they will stand back and go okay I'm just going to wait and see what and that's then potentially that c- can feed on itself um, so uh, I'll give you a specific example um, I, I saw a note there's a story that we're working on at the moment looking at some of the specifics um, just to get some examples of what's happening on the ground uh, and there's a property that you know, one example that's going to be in this story very simple I think Classic example, Eastern Suburbs has $2.3 million uh, was the guide price. Uh, and um, the week before last, the agent told his subscriber base that he, the guide price was cut to 2.1. So that's a little under 10% of a discount. Um, now, if that was happening across the board in the Eastern Suburbs, uh, then you're looking at a potentially... you know. Um, You know, a pretty significant drop in in house price in the market um, understanding of where prices are. now. And the thing is, if people see that, they'll go, well, hang on a second. I'll just wait and see if it falls a little bit further. I won't buy now. Uh, Pete, how do you think that is playing out on the ground?
1: Yeah, well, that's the 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 downturns can be amplified. Um, I, I mean, my experience in the inner west, eastern suburbs, the desire to buy is still there. It's just the access to credit is lower than it was, and that's just naturally had an impact on on prices. I think um, with regards to the the global shock scenario um, and high household debt that Dave was talking about, uh, I think one of the, the key things is that clearly policymakers are keen to see that debt to income ratio come down. So cooler prices, that naturally has an impact. Um, I think the big challenge is that if you went back to the early 2000s, you had household incomes growing at about 7% per annum. Since 2012, more like 3% per annum. Uh, so it's going to be harder. Uh, it's going to be harder to see that debt to income ratio come down. Now, the stock of interest only loans is now being reduced very quickly. Um, but again, knock on um, potentially a knock on impact on consumption. Um, it's interesting to get um, an international perspective. I, I spoke at the um, the UBS European conference um, in London just before Christmas. Um, on the one of the guys on the panel with me was Matthias Korman from the BIS. Uh, he's, now he's written some very high profile papers on um, global household debt and risks, and Australia has been on their radar for years and years. It's been an outlier. Um, now they. Um, they have what they call a debt servicing ratio, and Australia was flashing red on their early warning indicator for a banking crisis back in 2007. Uh, we didn't have a banking crisis, um, but yeah, I guess some of this comes down to how you define crisis. Obviously, we had to take some measures to shore up the banking system in terms of deposit guarantees, uh, deposit insurance, uh, debt guarantees, mortgage-backed securities, and so on. I suppose that the other side to all of this is that um, if you look at um, the borrowers in Australia, the, the, the increase in household debt has mainly been in the highest two income. Quintiles, And the other thing that's quite unique to Australia is the use of mortgage buffers. So I think some of these things have helped to, to reduce the risk. But you, this you, is with
0: uh, offset um, accounts, Yeah, cetera, that's
1: yeah. right. I mean, the RBA loves to quote this uh, stat that the average mortgage is two and a half years ahead. Now, you know, clearly, the risks actually lie at the margin. We're not talking about in aggregate. But clearly, mortgage stress is not across the board. So you've got to look at debt distribution, age distribution, income inequality, and industry concentration and factors like that. So, clearly and, and also
0: with the banks, um, time and again, every time you're looking for any increase in uh, decline in asset quality um, or, or problems with lending, it stays extremely low, like 1.5% um, of the mortgage book is people behind 90 days or so. Um, is, that, is that about right? Yeah,
1: Yeah. so it depends on... Uh, there, there are different measures. So uh, the, the different rating agencies put out their their um, reports on a monthly basis. Uh, I think Western Australia and the Northern Territory, we're going to see some cases of rising arrears. Um, and regional Queensland, is, uh, there's some real hotspots there, around Gladstone and so on. But yeah, at the moment, uh, mortgage arrears in global terms in, Aus- in Australia, pretty low, Um they would probably rise from here, you would think.
0: You're listening to the Devils in Details podcast from Business Insider Australia. I'm here with David Scott and Pete Wargent of Alan Wargent, and we're talking all things property. Let's have a look broadly um, at the broader uh, economic picture that the housing market is, is operating in, because obviously that's very important in terms of people being able to service the loans, all that kind of stuff. Now, David, for years, one of the things we've talked about uh, in terms of what would present a risk to the housing market
2: would be an uptick in unemployment. And what have we seen this week? We saw an uptick in employment. Uh, if, if a good uptick is anything possible, it probably could be deemed to be uh, good. It was driven by good factors, but uh, nothing can dispute that uh, unemployment is now starting to go and rise again. So we saw 5.4% towards the end of the year. Last year, now it's uh, now it's back to 56 uh, A lot of that's due to not uh, that employment growth has been lousy it's been actually quite strong it's just that there's been so many people uh, either returning to the labor market or joining the labor market that uh, that basically supply of people coming to uh, to go and work is uh, is now higher at the moment so that's what uh, is driving unemployment up um, but all things being equal uh, you know there's nothing wrong with the jobs market per se uh, one of the more acute issues right now is the uh, is the ability to go and get wage growth to go and increase because that's what uh, is struggling with uh, with this unemployment rate where it is.
0: I think yeah, certainly the RBA has done some research which talking about how essentials are chewing up uh, increasing chunks of uh, household income and some statistics I was looking at during the week uh, just for an indicator on this is something I'm going to start watching is um, private health insurance coverage levels. Um, Basically, at the moment, that is growing much, much more slowly than uh, the population is. Um, And it signals that some people are dropping their private health insurance. So uh, for me, that's a signal that households are starting to have to make pretty big decisions on what they allocate their money to. To your point, though, about the job numbers... The unemployment rate may be higher, and obviously the unemployment rate is the number one indicator that you need to look to for the health of the jobs market. But underlying this, because partly because of population growth and maybe some older people coming back into the workforce, people who are in jobs, who would be the people who have mortgages, um, are not losing them, it, it would appear. Um, there are more people in jobs now than there have ever been before in Australian history. So that is, I suppose, somewhat reassuring. Uh, at the same time, though, um, Pete, what do you think would need to happen for the RBA to start changing its narrative around where rates sit at the moment? Uh, because they have the talk about a bias being to the upside, um, but it does not that doesn't look like anywhere near being able to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, we could go down a real rabbit, Warren. I, th- I think um, though we did this podcast what, 15 months ago. We talked about rates being flat. Uh, on an ongoing basis well, we're 15 months on I haven't seen a whole lot to change yeah. <laughs> change that view um, look I, I suppose I have a personal view and I, I, I suppose coming from a, a city and a region that, that suffered from very high unemployment particularly resources related I've always had a bias personal bias towards the mandate targeting full employment and the stable nominal anchor um, now I'm sure you know Dave might have a, a stronger view on this I mean ultimately I get paid by fund managers to to say what I think will happen, not what should happen. So, um, my personal view is that um, yeah, that we're a long, long way from full employment, and, and rates have been too tight. But um, I, um, if, you know, clearly financial stability has been elevated in terms of its importance. And um, yeah, I think Dave might have a stronger view. But uh, look, I, I, I think uh, if there's a blip in the in the credit. Growth figures, then maybe, um, and particularly if the debt-to-income ratio starts to show signs of easing, then um, yeah, there would be potentially an easing bias. But for, I think there's enough positives just about in the short term to keep rates on hold.
0: Dave, I, one of the things that's been interesting has been the, the the people who've been talking about rate hikes near term have been uh, falling off the radar.
2: Yeah, usual suspects. I'm not going to go name names, but people who uh, follow uh, follow our work closely and follow the markets closely will know who we're talking about. Um, yes, the RBA. Where do I start with the RBA? Um, I found it interesting in the minutes of their, uh, their main monetary policy meeting that they said that they should be a source of confidence. Um, I question whether their recent actions are actually providing confidence, if not taking it away, because... Uh, People don't believe them. That's the honest opinion that I hear from people around town and very smart individuals. Uh, This whole idea that uh, that wage growth is gonna go and pick up and unemployment is gonna go and and steadily fall back and then everything will be peachy whilst being able to contain the risk in the housing market. Um, The track record has not been very good recently. In terms of forecasts? Yes. Now there's the Australian economy is still doing okay, but it's clearly not at potential. We've got unemployment rising. Wage growth is low, inflation is low. That's a sign that it's not operating at its its, uh, optimum level or above that. And that's what they need to go and do. And in the name of uh, financial stability, I think that if we keep going down this path where we just keep hoping that something is going to go and occur, hoping that inflation will gradually start to pick up, um, you could actually run into a scenario where you end up creating an even bigger issue for financial stability by the economy slowing too sharply or something on those lines that will cause massive concerns. Uh, And at the moment, I don't find the actions of what the RBA doing is being very confident.
0: It's uh, certainly interesting. Pete, um, what what do you make of uh, how they've been communicating lately?
1: Oh, look, I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, Dave's, Dave's covered it off. Clearly, there's, there's no real appetite to see, late, uh, see interest rates go lower than they already have. Um, my base case probably hasn't changed. So I expect we'll see just more of the same. We'll keep muddling along. Um, I think one thing I'd, I'd like to flag, um, look, it's coming up. We've got an election coming up, um, not in the too distant future now. Um, yeah, maybe about 12 months. Yeah, so look, here's a, a bit of an exclusive for the Business Insider podcast. There's a, yeah, there's a blockbuster report coming up um, into the potential impacts of an ALP election victory. I think a couple of years ago, a year ago, all of this stuff seemed too far in the future. Uh, we've seen more than 30 news polls in a row. You know, we, we're going to have to start seriously considering what happens to the housing market. Obviously, this is my main area of interest. If the alp gets in it's got proposed changes to negative gearing capital gains tax and i think if you rewind the clock to april 2016 the Grattan institute did a um shall we say a bit of a fag packet calculation on what might or might not happen if those changes are voted through the senate um so they essentially they applied a five percent discount rate they they applied essentially a two percent value on the tax benefits and they said well okay well Dwelling prices will be 2% lower under labour than otherwise would be the case. They didn't say prices would fall. They just said they would be 2% lower than otherwise would be the case. Now, Treasury has done its own modelling. Um, now, all of that was, may or may not have been valid, certainly very high level, um, in the expansionary phase of the credit cycle. But that, that has now passed. We're in the tightening. We've got tighter lending standards. And the landscape's just completely changed. So there's, there's a group called Risk-Wise Property Re- uh, Review, Um, They've got a report out imminently on these prospective changes. And what they've done is an impact analysis by by state, by capital city, and across all 86 of the SA4 regions around Australia by dwelling type. Um, Now, these guys, they're they're quants, they're ex big four financial analysts, so they're they're hard hitters. Yeah, Yeah, and I was blown away by the level of the quality of their research. I mean, it's their proprietary knowledge, not mine, but um, I think uh, it would be okay to disclose that they would say, look, in some regions of Australia, changing, making a massive change to tax reform would have only a limited impact because fewer investors in the market, but in some parts of the housing market, there could be a very, very serious impact. Um, We're talking about Sydney and Melbourne here. Well, basically, yeah, because those have been the investor heavy markets and they've run scenario analysis by the buy versus rent equation. Um, They've looked at alternative investment choices. They've they've run scenarios with a cash rate of one and a half percent, but also if, if the cash rate is to revert higher. Uh, And there could be a very meaningful impact on prices and rents in some areas. Now, it's important to say that neither... Can you
0: give us a number when you say prices and
1: rents in some areas? (laughs) Oh, look, this is not my research, it's RiskWise's research, but this is a must-read report. Um, I've had a sneak preview for for Treasury, but for uh, the ALP, for fund managers, for lenders, developers, anyone who's interested in the housing market... um, and I think it's important to say that they are neither pro nor anti-tax reform. They are just simply saying, well, look, there's going to be some distortions in the market. And this will need careful management and policies and execution and procedures. Because, yeah, I mean, we could go into a lot of detail, but essentially um, you're very much going to change it. You've got to look at the behavioural change. Mm-hmm. This has been a fundamental part of the tax system for so long. And if you start funneling investors into new dwellings only, particularly in some of some of the areas that they've alluded to, uh, we could see some real distortions in the housing market. And look, this is coming coming into play very, very soon. So it's going to be, uh, you know, I guess what we get paid for is leading indicators and leading analysis. And this is going to come right into, into the picture in the next few months.
0: There was a throwaway line in uh, Daily Telegraph today, a column which was largely yeah. about uh, factional issues in the... Uh, Liberal Party, but it talked about some of Bill Shorten's uh, weaknesses as well, and some of the issues that Labour is trying to grapple with. Uh, but the, the line in the Telegraph was that uh, Shorten has, you know, there's an arrogance issue around it, right? So that's not unusual for any political leader, okay? Um, so right, but apparently the line was that he had been telling people what he was going to do as Prime Minister. Um, yeah, and, and th- those kind of things, uh, you know, I think as we get closer to an election, you might start to hear a bit more of that kind of attack on on Bill Shorten, if you want to call it an attack. Um, house prices, though, Dave, because they've become such a big social issue, right, they are, you know, the high house prices of the last few years um, have had a lot of people pretty upset um, and I think rightly um, pretty disappointed and disillusioned with uh, policymakers because of the social problems it um, creates that we touched on earlier just in terms of being able to buy a home in the city that you um, that you work in. Um, but uh, at the same time, what would you say to people who are sort of there are plenty of them out there cheering on, um, not just declines in house prices, but maybe saying that uh, yeah, it'll be a great thing if um, if all of this uh, unravels in a, a more, shall we say, impressive way
2: than uh, we're than we're currently seeing. Unless you have no ties to the economy, or you unless you have uh, the ability to go and put it a complex uh, strategy that will involve you know, short selling Australian banks, everyone in Australia will suffer if there's a collapse in housing prices now you two know better than anyone else coming from Ireland and the UK what uh, what it can go and do uh and that's the brutal truth so you don't want to go and mess too much with the uh with the housing market it's policymakers. I agree have gone and contributed to this uh the RBA has gone and left interest rates uh very low and uh, and was basically sole focused on inflation for a long period of time uh obviously lending standards were uh, were very lax there for a period of time as well which has contributed to this but uh, you don't want to go and then try and slam everything on at the same time. we have seen clearly from these, uh, these new restrictions that have been placed by APRA over the last few years have worked. The housing market has slowed down and is now starting to fall in where those cities where the housing affordability concerns are most acute. So to go and do more to go and slow things down or to go and change the, uh, the investment strategies of people who are already in the market is probably a dangerous step to go and take. So my advice to anyone who's saying like, yeah, we want to see house prices crash. Uh, I'd suggest that you think again.
0: I think most people obviously don't want that, but there certainly are some individuals you come across them all the time. Yeah, yeah, certainly right. You know, like, uh, yeah, you know, um, all of that, you know, just be, I'd love to see it come on. I mean, believe me. Uh, having watched the Irish experience from over here, that changed the country. It changed how people think. The scars are very deep. Um, people are wounded from it. Um, there is a generation of young kids uh, who um, really don't know, like people who are in their twenties, and don't really know much about work uh, because you know they, they didn't have access to the dignity of a job because you know um, hundreds of thousands of young people ended up unemployed Um, you know just tax rates had to go through the roof uh, in order to manage the budget repair so the, you know if you were if you did have a job um, you were getting dinged for it pretty severely uh, through your income tax cuts I think they put you know just for the public service alone they just put you know one or two cents on everybody's pay package said that's it flat Um, we're taking 2% 2% of everything um, that you earn uh, on top of what you're already paying. And then uh, income tax uh, tax rates went, went up as well. But the social impact, I think, is the thing that's genuinely uh, horrifying. Um, sure, big developers get wiped out. Um, some banks that had been up to no good um, blew up. Um, uh, no longer exist Um, but it's still happening there they're still trying to repair uh, the social um, issues now Dublin's going pretty well there's a lot of big companies in there all that kind of stuff Um, but there are still big parts of the country where there are what they call ghost estates you know these shells of developments uh, where literally everything just shut down in the space of a week Um, so you know I I would for anybody who's uh, you know You come across them from time to time, you know, oh, it'd be great if it all on WAND i can tell you that it's not pretty um so absolutely i know the rba and we've given them a a bit of stick but the rba and apra um watching this stuff very very carefully and the rba started to talk about the consumer sector an awful lot which um, i think we'll um we'll jump into next pete um starting to talk about the weakness in the consumer sector because it is becoming um a a bit of a concern that uh, households are so stretched and there may be a point it's very much open to debate the next direction of interest rates but there may be a point where they start to go up and then um, that's you know tips further pressure onto already stretched households
1: yeah yeah okay like, uh, this is stuff that's been yeah, talked about regularly on business insider over the years i i think um i think it would be fair to say that a lot of people particularly people with mortgages who were in the market before Uh, particularly before 2007 and then more recently since 2012 I think they've a lot of people have seen their mortgage rates come down and they probably you know don't know what all the fuss is about in terms of mortgage stress but of course it's it's generally people who've bought more recently with higher leverage that are often more impacted Um, and yeah Australia is a very diverse place I think some parts of the country are doing a lot Better than others, um, and you know we talked about the jobs growth. Um, you know, Grattan has done some good work on this, showing just the sheer concentration. I and mean, I was down in Adelaide last week, out in the northern suburbs, was it, you wrote a fantastic piece. Yeah, it's actually on that, republished yeah. on BI. It was, uh, right. That was an honour, thank you. Um, but it's yeah, it's just the, the the difference is stark. You know, the manufacturing industry, industries have many of them have struggled with the higher higher dollar. Uh, and yet yeah, the services sector is creating, well, hundreds of thousands of jobs in, but very, very focused on the inner inner suburbs of Sydney and Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a distorted picture. You know, it's, it's like the mining boom in reverse. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think we need to start wrapping it up. Um, but uh, maybe, Dave, do you want to uh, give us a flavor for how you think this is um, going to play out from here? What you'll be watching in
2: particular? In terms of the housing market? Is that what we're referring to? Um, I can see at least a couple of another years where you'll see probably stagnant to lower prices. Um, Hopefully nothing worse than that. Interest rates are going to be left on hold well into next year, probably into 2020. Um, And we need to go and try and figure out a way, and this is going to be the crucial thing, is to go and lift household incomes because the leverage that we're carrying at the moment is – partly due because we've gone and taken a lot of household debt, but it's also now because incomes have been growing so slowly. And that is the key challenge. Uh, if we manage to go and solve that, then I think Australia's economy will be looking good. I think the housing market will be looking a lot healthier than what it is right now. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then it's going to lead to some issues. To your point on the
0: RBA and its forecast, we had another you know, disappointing set of wage data
2: this week, didn't we? We did. You know, it's, uh, wage growth is not accelerating. I know some people pointed to uh, including bonuses uh, as, as part of it. But that to me looked like it was a statistical uh, no blip from a, from a low base effect from the previous year. Um, we'll see. I'll eat my words if, I, if I'm wrong. But wages are growing a tick over uh, 2%. Private sector wages are growing under 2%. Um, so they're going backwards when you like, take into consideration uh, what, uh, what CPI is doing. So um, it's not good. Uh, people having work is a good thing but the challenge for financial stability and the ability for the economy to go and grow and for people to go and spend needs to go and change and that's the issue that we need to go and focus on is how to go and boost household incomes whilst keeping debt levels at uh, in check and hopefully bringing that ratio down pete how do you see things from here
1: um but I suppose it depends you know from whose perspective i think as as an investor you know we're seeing people make money every day you know we you know you get fund managers. You know, they'll, they'll put out these pieces week to week, oh, there's no money to be made in housing. Well, unless I'm dreaming something, there's there's $5.5 trillion of equity now in, in resi real estate. Um have been hearing this stuff for the best part of 20 years now. Uh, look, people are making money in, in some markets. We've mentioned one of them, in the inner west of Brisbane. And yet it doesn't always show up in median prices because we've got a lot of high-rise apartments in Brisbane. We've got flood zones um, and we've got... Yeah, it's a two-speed thing. Um, Dave's going to jump in here, but I suppose from a from an advisory point of view, if you're interested in the equities markets, we put out our monthly reports for fund managers uh, looking at the leading indicators, but uh, we're going to see some serious slowdown in resi construction in Brisbane. A lot of apartments just can't get the financing now.
0: I, I was in the, um, the Gold Coast a couple of months ago uh, with the family, and the sheer volume of construction was...
2: I was really taken aback.
1: Yeah, Is it, It's been going a full tilt. Uh, Brisbane was for a couple of years. Yeah, but
2: 4006.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. Those suburbs, um, I, I think you're going to see, uh, well, we're already seeing it in the unemployment figures for Queensland, uh, a lot of construction work. Now, there's a bit of infrastructure coming, but there's a big hole to plug. Uh, but like, I'll let Dave jump in because I know he's got a point to make here.
2: No, I just <laughs> wanted to go and say, when I said in terms of prices, I'm referring to the whole of Australia market you know, in terms of the, uh, the median, and that largely affects what's going to happen in, uh, in Sydney and, and Melbourne, in my opinion. But uh, as Pete mentioned, people are making money, and no, uh, I've, I've travelled around the country. I'm lucky enough to go and do that. I was up in Brisbane not too long ago, and Brisbane is a fantastic place. Uh, where you know what the ratio of of uh, Sydney house prices to uh, to Brisbane house prices just just came off an all time high. Two point yeah, two. Yeah, so it's it's a fantastic
1: place. How and do they, you know that? Uh, it's way too much time on the chart.
2: Page, so. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, so there's, there's going to be there's going to be other places now where you, if you're going to see where there's, there'll be some further price declines, it's where a lot of the, the prices were fueled by credit, and that's Sydney and Melbourne. And there's going to be other parts of the country, like I spent a lot of time in Adelaide as well. Um, Adelaide probably doesn't have as much going for it, economically speaking, uh, at this point in time, but things can go and change. So uh, it's not to say it's all doom and gloom, but yeah, from from a... Australian macro perspective, Sydney and Melbourne are just so massive that um, when, you, when you talk about those two and if you think it's going to be weaker, it generally is going to go and drag down the Australian median price. Absolutely. And what's
1: your outlook for Hobart, Dave? You're a leading indicator for the Tasmanian housing market. You've, you've had a 100% track record. Gee, it's
2: been pretty hot. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I'd have to go and, and dig deeper into see what the, uh, the, the local government's doing down there uh, to, and the state government for their planning. But uh, I, from anecdotal evidence that I hear from people that I speak to on Twitter from down there and things like that, uh, they've got growing pains. So people whinge and moan about what happens in Sydney and Melbourne and, and the uh, M1 uh, in, uh, in, in Gold Coast and Brisbane and, uh, and their like. But apparently uh, the congestion is getting quite bad, particularly around Hobart. So,
0: so I was there a couple of weeks ago mm. and we have some friends uh, who uh, literally have just bought a house. And... They've been. They were in the market for uh, a couple of months, and there's, the way the market works down there is really weird. What you have to do is put in your best and final offer, but so if somebody else has a better offer than you, you're out. So there's no price discovery.
2: So and you don't know. So you get a guide. Oh, so closed envelope deals. Is that what you're saying? Like, so you basically put your put a closed envelope bid in. Wow.
0: Yeah, uh, and then the agent calls you and says, "Sorry, you lost." <laughs> so this happened to them time and time and time again. And it was actually on the. Day we were in, we were there. It was on a Saturday afternoon. We went out to uh, Richmond, uh, which is a fantastic spot, by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, Tasmania undersells itself, but we we're out in Richmond. Uh, we met them for lunch, uh, and they'd been around seeing a couple of properties, and uh, it turned into a bit of a celebration because they bought a house. Uh, so um, yeah, look, uh, uh, yeah, certainly ha- the market has been red hot down there. Um, but auctions, the auction market is not what it, it doesn't. Work like mm. it does in Sydney. I will say one thing about Sydney, and it's what the one thing I always come back to with Sydney property. Um, we, I know we have to wrap up, but um, if you go onto the harbour at any point, uh, onto the harbour or anywhere with a harbour view, and you look down uh, the harbour and up the Parramatta River and the Lanco River there, and you see all of these, you know, hundreds of thousands of properties that uh, have these fantastic views. Right, that the city's clean. It's beautiful. It's warm most of the year round. Um, the roads are kind of crap, but they're fixing that. Uh, same for the airport. Um, but, you know, generally, you know, people are nice. It's accepting, very multicultural. It's a global city, lots of things to do, and great industry, and it's, you know, a cutting-edge cutting global city. And I always sort of think about that, like you can't build much more than what has already been built around the harbour. So if you're thinking about what lit, what keeps... A floor under Sydney house prices. A lot of it is that there is always going to be people who want those properties uh, in those exclusive places around the harbour, like in and the the, the mid-level sort of one to two million places that are a little bit further up. Uh, So I think that you know, for me, that is you know there might be sure there might be. There might be a lot of damage done in, in the pockets uh, and there might be declines uh, on the fringes of the city. I think Central Coast is looking a little bit nasty, uh, as I said earlier. But um, places like Sydney, when, when people go, well, median house prices are, you know, through the roof. Well, it's because there's always going to be a certain amount of demand for for, for property like that. Uh, Pete
1: Wardent, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show again. Pleasure, gents. Always, uh, always good to be here and uh, look forward to Devils and Details being back on the airwaves.
0: And can we get you back on uh, uh, at some stage later in the year and we'll uh, check in where things find are find out
1: to. where I got everything wrong this time. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, as always, been joined by David Scott, Global Markets and Economics Reporter for Business Insider. David, thanks again. It's been a great chat, boys. Thank you. The show is produced by Rick Salter. You can find us on the web at businessinsider.com.au. We're on Twitter at B-I-A-U-S. Pete Wardent, David Scott, and myself, Paul Colgan. We're all on Twitter too, individually. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes where you can rate us and leave us a review and we'll catch you next time